What's up, gore fiends and horror hounds? This is Intern Corey. Are you ever listening to your favorite episode of Throbbing with Horror? Obviously, it's one I'm on, and thinking, damn, I wish I could be as cool as Intern Corey. Well, you can't. But you can get close now by going to our Tee Public store and ordering any of the four t-shirt designs we have up now, including the ever-popular All Hail Intern Corey shirt. Guaranteed to make your life 10% better. These statements have not been reviewed by any doctor. So head on over to our Tee Public store and check them out. The best thing about it, there's no shirt for that loser Brandon from the Black Lagoon. That guy sucks. Head over to our, any of our social media pages for the link to our Tee Public store. Buy our crap. Support our show. Thanks. <laughs> Fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> um, real quick, I want to say this more important than any other episode, probably. Spoilers yeah. 100%. This is still pretty new, and more than any movie we've ever done, this might be the movie I most recommend going into knowing nothing. Which I did. I saw, like, tiny little things. I knew, like, a couple of, of the people that were going to be in it and whatnot. But I didn't know anything about this movie. I stayed completely spoiler-free. I didn't watch a trailer. All I saw was all the hype going on online. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to watch this. So I am so glad I went in blind. I did, too. I saw, like, a TV spot trailer, like a YouTube ad trailer, not even, like, the full trailer, and that gave so little away to the point I almost forgot I saw it. I didn't know anything what it was about. I didn't even know, like, the beginning plot or anything like that, and man, I had a great time with this movie. It's, like, a minute before I uh, hit play, I pulled up the letterbox, and I just saw something. It was like, oh, it's something about, like... Someone's staying at an Airbnb, and something happens, so yeah, something, let's see how this goes. Like, I was almost thinking, like, oh, it's just gonna be almost like a generic, like, oh, there's someone in the Airbnb, and they kidnap her, but not in the way you're thinking. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what, and even if it was that, it's doing a fine job at that, for what I think it's just that. I'm still completely invested, and then it just pulls the rug out from you. Oh my god. Which, I have to say, like, I didn't know anything about this until, like, right before I pulled up Letterboxd, and then after I got done uh, watching it, I looked into it a little deeper. Zach Krager did, is the director and the writer. Do you know where else he's from? Whitest kids you know, dude. Yes! Holy shit! He's Abe Lincoln in, like, the <laughs> most famous, like, one of the most famous, like, um, sketches. And the, up there with, like, the p- dead parrot sketch with Monty Python is the Abraham Lincoln sketch. Yeah, if you don't really know Whitest Kids You Know, you've still probably seen the Abe Lincoln at the theater sketch. Oh, especially if you're anywhere around our age. Because people would just do the bits in middle of class or, like, in the hallway. <laughs> Yeah, it's when I saw Zach Kreger, I won't lie, I'm like, that's a coincidence. It's not the same dude. 
Well, because I looked in, I was like, okay, what else has he directed? Miss March, which was with Trevor Moore, R.I.P. Uh, he's from Whitest Kids You Know and sadly died less than a year ago, yeah. I think. That sucked. And then he also directed The Civil War on Drugs, which was basically just the Whitest Kids You Know little like mini, mini series. Yeah, I had no idea he had this in him, and it's another example of these sketch comedy guys going on and just killing it at horror. Well, because they're so good at writing, and I enjoy, like, the Whitest Kids You Know's writing so well, and they have a specific kind of, like, feel to it. It's like, you watch a Kevin Smith movie, you know you're watching a Kevin Smith movie. This had parts of it that felt like, oh, that's kind of funny, and you can tell, like, comedians also worked on that like comedians wrote this horror movie because there's like great dialogue there are little jokes and whatnot the characters are well written like give it to give horror to sketch comedy sure it's i love it oh like i mean it goes to what's his name danny mcbride from halloween jordan peele john krasinski it's becoming like a big thing lately oh yeah i'm all in for it i love it i hope that this gives him like so many uh more opportunities and then also maybe because i know the whitest kids you know like the surviving members still get together on twitch from time to time and like just fuck around and stuff so they're all still friends so it'd be cool if they could do like almost how monty python did the live mostly tour like maybe they could do like a special or something or like a movie yeah definitely i guess I'm curious in your initial thoughts, because you just watched it for the first yes. time. I'll tell you, me and intern Corey have talked away from you, because we don't <laughs> want to spoil it, and we were both curious if you were going to like this one or not. I was, yeah, going into it, I like I said, I didn't know anything about it. Um, in the first, like, I don't know, half an hour or so, I'm like, where's Justin Long? Where's Richard Brake? Like, they say that these people are in this movie, but... Uh, there's always it's only been Tess and Keith for like the most like part of the beginning, and it's so set up that Keith is the bad guy because especially because it's Bill Skarsgård who's fucking Pennywise. <laughs> Man, how smart is that? And that only plays to like your horror fans who realize that's who he is. But it's it's such a little touch from like that's genius because we all know him. As this creepy, evil clown, and they have him where, is he the bad guy? And so for horror fans especially, it plays so well into tricking us. Oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I can't wait to get into it. Richard Brake, you said, he's one I didn't know was in it. I knew Justin Long was in it, but I completely forgot once things got rolling. But yeah, the um, Pennywise casting was real smart. So there's this book called The Gift of Fear, which is like a trust your gut like nonfiction book and everything like that. And Kreger read that, especially like the chapter that was all about like red flags for women and what to watch out for. And like, yeah. hey, these are all creepy if a guy's doing that. And he wanted to include as many of those in it as possible. And that's like all of Skarsgård's things are all like possible red flags that aren't necessarily bad, but should raise your eyebrows. Well, I love how he treats it, because he even uh, at one point says, I know that this is, like, weird, I know I'm just some guy, you're just some lady, like, I rec- I saw you didn't drink the tea, like, I didn't put anything in it, but I understand why you would think I would, like, but hands up, like, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, being the overly I understand and apologetic and everything about the whole thing. 
And then at, at points when he's like almost trying to stop her, it's like, oh, is he like trying to get her in the basement somehow or whatnot? Like, it's really interesting. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but the fun, goofy, let's zip up the duvet in the cover scene where he has oh. it like on his head. I'm expecting her, him to wrap her up in it still like any second. That's what I 100% thought, too, because at this point, like, they're drinking wine, they're, like, she tr- kind of trusts him, like, almost kind of flirty with him and whatnot, and then I saw that part, it's like, oh, he's gonna throw that over her head, it's gonna be just, like, a sack. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I think it, it's time for us to get into this thing. Yes. So, Barbarian from 2022, written and directed by Zach Kreger. Holy shit. Also, at the time of this recording, it is on HBO Max, so if you have that... Uh, check HBO Max if this is far into the future, still check, because it might be in there. Yeah, and that also helped, like, it become what I call, like, the big four of Halloween this year. I know we're in November now, right. but, like, if you ask me, the big four buzziest horror movies are on Halloween this year, were, of course, Halloween ends. Yes. I'm not saying quality or anything, just what they were. Smile, Terrifier 2, and Barbarian. And Barbarian came out a little earlier, but hit streaming right before Halloween. So I'd say, like, those were our four big tent poles this year on Halloween. I agree. I would also throw the monsters in there. I would almost put that before... Because I know Smile is doing big box office, but I haven't heard anyone talking about it, really. I've heard a good bit of people talking about okay. that one. But, yeah, there's a few other ones. Like, you could also talk about VHS 99 or a couple oh, yeah. other things. But, yeah, those were, I think, our bigger ones, and... I think that right before Halloween release on HBO Max helped that. Also, right before uh, this, just this last Saturday on Svengoolie, when he showed X, the man with the X-ray eyes, Richard Brake was on that episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. Richard Brake, is, like, we talked about him in The Monsters. He can do no wrong in movies. No. He's just this special spice. Like, he won't make it great, you know what I mean? But if it's good and you had Richard Brake in, it's just that perfect mix and if it's bad hey at least he's still got richard break even how much i hate rob zombies halloween 2 i remember seeing richard break show back up again when i watched it again this last halloween i was like oh, i like him yeah exactly but tess arrives at this airbnb and it's night you can't see much which is very important for later yeah but she shows up and it's a downpour and she gets to punch the code box to get the key out at the house and it doesn't work then she gets it but there's no key in there what the hell she tries calling the people they don't answer and i think out of desperation she's just like pulling on the door and knocking on it not really expecting anything to happen yeah almost out of like anger like god fucking damn it like it's downpouring i like you said it's really dark so she's looking around she can't really see her surroundings there's like one porch light on over her so she's completely exposed and, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, she's banging and kicking on the door, and she gets in her car, I guess, to, like, drive away, but she sees the one light come on. So the light comes on, and she runs up to the door, and she's, like, kind of knocking and stuff again. And then, yeah, Pennywise answers the door. He's like, hello, do you want to come down to the basement? I have a balloon. We all go pop, 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 pop down here. Woo! No, he doesn't do that. Keith is very normal. Um... Bill Skarsgård, he's an interesting-looking fellow, but they definitely handsome him up in this movie, for sure. Where you could see Tess kind of see him and kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it's not like uh, Danny DeVito, 
like from Always Sunny, like Frank opens the door, like, ah, I got some extra sardines in the fridge if you want some. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Bill Skarsgård is not a bad looking dude. He's also not conventionally leading man attractive, you know what I mean? But yeah, he, he's got a look to him. Yeah, for sure. But he tells her, like, she's like, she's like is this blank address? Like, I, I think so. What do you mean you don't know your address? Like, I don't know. I don't live here. I'm renting it. Goes, I, I don't know the place. You just woke me up. She's like, I'm renting the place. And it turns out whoever owns this house uses more than one, like, renting company, like Airbnb or whatever. And they double rented it out between two separate companies on the same night. And he's like, well, coming out of the rainstorm, at least for now, I insist. Comes, she comes in. And she smartly does, like can you show me your phone like so I can see your booking just to make sure? Is yes. It, yeah, one second, let me grab my phone. And he takes a minute, and I, I'm like, oh, he doesn't have the booking, but no, he does, and shows her and everything like that. By the way, did you catch the address, the street name mainly? I mean, I've heard, I heard it a couple of times, but it didn't ring a bell. It's Barbary Street. Okay. So, Barbarian. Oh, okay. That, that that's sense. all. That was fun little thing because i'm like who's the barbarian in this thing yeah and still i mean i i know we said spoilers but i guess the barbarian is richard brake no the barbarian is just whoever lives on barbary okay the the, the, the title still doesn't make sense to me then <laughs> okay i think it's just like uh the barbary people would be barbarians i don't know okay because i was thinking of like a viking like when's the viking gonna show up in the movie like When's Conan coming out? <laughs> yes. But yeah, th- I enjoy how they handle this. Of It's these two people that have no idea. They don't know each other at all. Keith is being very like nice and like trying to be like, well, come in. Do you want some tea? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, well, I'll make it. He's like, I'll make you some tea anyway, which is like a red flag immediately. How many horror movies have we seen where they drink the tea? And that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, exactly. And when he does make it for it, you know she doesn't drink it. She just lets it no. sit there. She does go into the bathroom, and this is her first, okay, maybe I can let my guard down sign, because she sees that he does have toiletries set up. There's his toothbrush there, his overnight stuff and everything. So, like, he isn't a guy who's just hiding in there waiting to grab her. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also at this point, Keith is, because he's in the bedroom, and he's like, oh, Tess, you can have the bedroom, like... Did say what you will about me, but I'm old-fashioned. There's no way I can let a lady sleep on the couch when there's a bedroom available. And immediately I thought, he wants her to get in that bedroom because there's a lock on it or something. He's got locker in the room. Like, I'm still thinking, like, he's the bad guy. That and just, like, the overly pushy, like, it can be read two ways. One, maybe he's just a very gentlemanly type guy. But also, like, very, like, no, I won't take no for an answer and stuff like that. Like, red, right. another example, like, red flags coming up. Very pushy, yeah. Exactly. And then, like, what's your name, Tess? I'm Keith. That's a pretty name. Normal in other sa- circumstances, but in this one, maybe, like, eh? Because she even kind of gives him a look, and you can almost see that he's like, damn it, I didn't mean it like that. Fuck. Like... <laughs> But she starts looking for a hotel. She calls one or two, and they're all booked. It's like, ah, you know what? I just realized there's a big medical convention in town. You're not going to get a room. Look, I understand that's a good right-around-ish. You know what I mean? Like, I can see that working for a hotel or two. But it's Detroit. You can find a room somewhere. And it's also, this is another classic thing of the killer makes up 
an excuse why they can't leave. Oh, there's the big convention in town. You better not call any more hotels. Stay here with me. Exactly. But she's going to take the bed. She's like, okay, here's the thing. I kind of have a thing about clean sheets. So they start washing the sheets that are on the bed because Keith was already sleeping on it. You know, anytime you wash bed clothes, that's a whole day affair because it takes so fucking long. Oh, definitely. That's and that's smart though, because that gives them the reason they have to stay together and talk a little bit and everything. Oh yeah, but it's like a drying alone. I've definitely like had to go through like the full cycle, and like the blanket got bunched up, so it's still kind of wet. So I'm like, God damn it! I just want to go to bed. And you end up just sleeping on the mattress. Oh yeah, that's a weekend job. Like you start early on Saturday or Sunday. You go like halfway through drying it. You go down and open up the sheets to make sure they clean better. <laughs> Or you forget about them and you come up to go to bed. Like, oh, I'm so sleepy. God fucking damn it. I hate everything. I forgot about them. (laughs) (laughs) She goes into the bathroom to wash up just like the face scrub. This is an interesting part because Zach Kreger wrote this as she takes a shower. And he had one of his friends who's a girl read it. And she goes, absolutely not. And he's like, what? There's no way in hell she would take a shower in this situation. So it's changed to she just washes her face off and everything. Because as soon as she goes, I'm going to go wash up. I'm like, God, she's going to get in the goddamn shower and something spooky is going to happen. Horror movie 101, that's what's going to happen. But you just see her wash her face. You're like, smart. You wouldn't just take a shower in front of the stranger like that's in the house half an hour after you met them. Exactly. In the bedroom, she sees that he left his wallet in there. And she takes a picture of his ID. You know, again, she's making all the right moves for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Very smart. And, by the way, his ID says he's like 5'10 or something. Bill Skarsgård is a mountain tall man (laughs) who plays Pennywise and everything. That is bullshit. Yeah. Well, this is also, um, because she comes out of the bathroom and he's sitting there with the glass, wine glasses, and the bottle of wine that he was trying to get her to drink earlier. And he's like, well, I was sitting here, and I wanted some wine, and I also wanted to offer you some, but I noticed you didn't drink the tea, so I didn't want to open it before you got out here, so you didn't think I did something to it. I'm rambling, I'm so sorry, but you understand where I'm coming from, right? And you can almost see where she's like, because she's like, I don't want any, but I understand what you're where you're coming from. And I get what he's doing. I get everyone gets the point he's trying to make, but it's so overly explained that it makes me not trust him. Yeah, or it's just the fact of like he's just so awkward, and it is such a, a super awkward situation of like they both paid. He's not going to leave. It, if anything, I'd be like, well, I was here first, so. But she does sit at the table to join him while he drinks wine at first, and they're talking about why she's in town, and she's in for an interview where she. It, for it to work on a documentary, like, and it's about jazz. No, it's not about jazz, is no. it? The one she's no, working on? The one that she's working on has something to do with music in Detroit over the last 10 years, I believe. He knows um, the documentarian from a documentary she did on jazz. And Tess is like, oh, there's no way you knew about that documentary. You're fucking with me. It's like, oh no, when the uh, kids are on the. Uh, roof and they're playing Sunhouse and blah 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 and she's like how the fuck do you know about this documentary once again it's like oh is he like obsessed with the documentarian 
and he's going to try to use Tess to get through. Like, you still have no idea. She ends up finding common ground with him because, like, you know who you could interview for this new documentary about Detroit music scene is me. I'm a founding member of the Lion Tamers, which I guess is some type of music collective thing. I don't know if that's real or not. I don't know. But okay. due to this now mutual common, like, interest, she's kind of disarmed. And she's like, you know what? I will have some of this wine. And they're having a good time. And then we get the conversation, which is a really important theme of the movie, I think, about if the roles were reversed. And if yeah. she was home and he showed up first, how, one, there's no way in hell she'd let him in. But if she did, he wouldn't even think twice about it, like how she was hesitant. He'd just walk on in, and men think they can do what they want and aren't scared of these kind of situations and everything, which comes into play like a thousand times throughout this movie in different ways. Yeah, and I love her delivery of where he's like, well, if the rules were reversed, would you let me in? And she's like, oh, fucking no. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> Rightfully so. Um, this is the duvet cover scene we were talking about. We already covered it, but yeah. for a minute, I just thought he was going to grab her. But aside from that, it's a very cute scene between, like, two people for a romantic comedy setup. Oh, yeah, and at this point, it's still, like, is this going to be a Scream-type thing? Spoilers for the original Scream, where Billy, like, finally sleeps with Sydney, and then that's all he, like, that was the final piece to the puzzle, and now he can kill her? Like, because they definitely do the duvet thing, which is a good idea, because I've had to put duvet covers on before, and it fucking sucks. And he's, like, standing there in her room now, and won't exactly leave, and they're doing that, like, awkward kind of laugh back and forth to each other, because you're, no, he's sitting there thinking, like, I'm gonna hang out for an extra second just to see if she wants to have sex with me. Okay, I'm not getting those vibes. She wants me to leave. I'll leave. Exactly. That's what I think it was, but it's played off that way for a minute. I think it's going that way, but it doesn't. Okay, I had a very nice night with you. We'll talk to you in the morning. And then she doesn't lock the door, though. No. Dude, I don't care how great of a time you had. You're locking that door. Yes, 100%. Because not even if I was there alone, this is a strange Airbnb in a city that you're not from. I'm locking everything. All right, let's talk about Airbnbs and stuff for a quick second. Nothing much to do with the movie, but I just feel like this is the only chance we'll have to talk about this. Okay. I don't understand why people do this in the slightest. Dude, Yeah, I, I get hotels are just these weird carbon copy, cookie cutter, everything is the same places. But at the end of the day, they're hotels. Like, you have a certain amount of privacy, you have your own room. You don't, it's not me going into a stranger's house where who knows how many other people have the keys and like weird rules and possibly, how many like stories do you see about people like, Found hidden camera in my Airbnb bathrooms yeah. and stuff like this. No way. I don't get why this is a popular thing amongst people. No. I would... Yeah, and I, we, Liz and I have looked into it before. Of, like, she looked into it thinking, like, oh, an Airbnb could be fun. And I was immediately, like, explained every reason why it was a bad reason. Many of them that you just said of, like, this is someone else's house. This is weird. I would much rather just go to a hotel. But... It is just super weird of that, of, like, some of them have really specific rules. Like, they almost lock you in there, basically. Like, yeah. sleeping in someone it's... else's bed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't get it, but whatever. But she doesn't lock the door. In the middle of the night, it's 
they're both sleeping. She wakes up and the door is hanging open and she hears Keith making noises in her sleep. She goes out and like towards him and the way this house is set up, the living room, there's like a straight hallway back to the basement door. As she rounds the corner and faces the living room, you see the basement door pull shut behind her and that's my first, oh fuck no, moment of the movie. Yeah, like something's in the basement. Yes, and she goes to wake him up. <laughs> it's kind of the funniest thing in the world. Scares because the hell out of him. He's laying there having a nightmare. So he's like, oh. ah! Ah! and she's like, of course, like, I'm not going to sleep with this man screaming on the couch. And she like is way she like hesitates too much. Also, why are you like doing a shoulder? I would like tap his leg like you know it was like his shin or something i would because i thought he was going to come up and punch her i did too they just come up swinging but he wakes up like what the fuck are you doing like now he's freaked out of like i wake up you're standing over me and he she's like i i don't know you were making noises and my did you open my door and he's like what no like what the fuck are you doing like you're being the creepy one now and she's almost (laughs) like sorry and like goes back to bed and this time, she locks the door. Yes. Morning. Keith is gone, but he left a note. Had a nice time last night. Had to go out. Please just leave Key back in the box. Right. And then she steps outside, and this is the first time she can see the neighborhood she's in in oh. the daylight. Oh, my. And this is a huge reveal to us, because we only saw, like, you saw the shadows of the houses. You couldn't actually see them at all. This is, like, you've heard about Detroit. This is, like, that Detroit of downtown, of, uh, there's all, no houses are lived in anymore. Half of them are burnt down. They're covered in graffiti. Like, this is a wreck of a neighborhood. And the one nice little house, the Airbnb sitting in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, which also leads you to think the guy who runs this Airbnb is a piece of shit who, like, is just showing pictures of this house for unsuspecting people who don't know the neighborhood coming in. This is also another big part, too, because where she goes out, she gets in her car, she's going to the job interview, and she's driving through the neighborhood, and it just shows you how isolated she is. Even though she's surrounded by houses, and what was once a, like, and we'll see a flashback here in a little bit, a very nice like populated neighborhood is just house like all they're all torn down no one's around for miles like the people you do see you don't want to interact with yeah and there's still really good areas in today detroit but there are those areas from like the mass exodus so those areas are just miles of abandoned i just think about like when you remember when project x came out the uh movie about the giant house party yeah and people were going to, like, the mansions in Detroit and throwing their own Project X parties and, like, burning the mansions down. Yeah, I remember when that was going on. But the interview goes really well, and at the end of it, she tells her where she's staying at an Airbnb in Brightmore, and the boss who she just interviewed with face all of a sudden turns into complete concern for her. Like, no, you should not be staying there. Stay anywhere else, like... You're in the middle of nowhere, and, like, there's a house in there that's livable kind of thing? Like, like, really? An Airbnb in Brightmore? But she tells her, no, I'm staying with somebody, it's okay. And she's like, okay, just be careful. She pulls back into the house. By the way, do you notice the snake, like, keychain hanging from the rearview mirror? Yeah, I see that keep coming up. 
Well, the only connection I can make, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, uh-huh. is when we cut to AJ, played by Justin Long for the first time, he's listening to Ricky Ticky Tavi, which is the song about the mongoose who ate snakes and everything. Oh. And it's just like an overall running theme about some people are snakes and things like that. Well, especially his character. So I could see where that could make sense. Yeah, I granted, I did not come to this conclusion on my own people. That's after watching some stuff on the movie a few okay. times. I could see that. But she gets back, and this is something about these kind of scares I love, where they're not jump scares. It's the oh. out-of-focus tension-building scare, where yeah. someone's walking, and you see something in the background out of focus, making their way towards the person before they notice it. Dude, these get me so much more than a jump scare, because oh, you yeah. see it and they don't, you're like, no, no, get in, get inside! But you see this man, like, running at her from the background, and we know this neighborhood's abandoned, and you... Granted, the guy doesn't have the best opening line. He goes, hey, little girl, get out of that house. Yeah, come here. (laughs) And he's like stumbling towards her. He's all dirty and stuff, you know, and she's immediately like freaked out and like runs inside the house and locks herself in and calls the cops, which this is another big thing that comes up. It's like she is like, there's somebody outside of my house that chased me inside of here. Send a, a Send some officers, but there's no one available. Yeah, no available units. So no one's coming? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying there's no available units, ma'am. And that's all, but things seem to be calmed down. She goes to the bathroom, but she's out of toilet paper, and she's looking around, and she checks into the basement and sees it down there at the bottom of the steps. She goes down, but the door closes behind her and locks her in. Her phone is also upstairs at this point. First thing I think of is... Okay, what did she do in there? Because I, I know sometimes ladies need toilet paper for each, either number one or number two that they do. Did she do a number two and she's running around with poopy pants? I'll tell you on a second watch, I was curious about this too. She didn't yeah. go yet. She was about to go and then check oh. the toilet paper first. It was okay. a very smart thing if you're not at your own home to do. Because that's the immediate thing I thought of when I saw her with pants on later. Of like, I hope that was a number one. No, she didn't get to go yet, even, which makes it even worse. Oh, no. (laughs) She gets locked in the basement, and she's stuck down there. Her phone's upstairs. She's looking around for, like, a key or something to get out, and she finds this random rope hanging out of the wall. Yeah, and it is, like, don't pull the mystery rope. Where she does, she pulls it, and the mystery door opens, and she says the line from the movie, nope, of she's just like, nope. And just goes and sits on the stairs. Is like, I'm not going anywhere near that. Until she gets bored enough and is like, okay, I'm going to go near that. Now, here's the thing. I feel like that line works so much better if it didn't come out the same year as Nope. Yeah, because I immediately thought of when we saw Nope and they said Nope in Nope. Yeah, exactly. It's just coincidence. I'm like, man, I feel like that line got <laughs> undercut due to that movie. Yeah, you need to wait a couple years before you pull that again. I think this is so smart because it's a dark like hallway that like appears in front of her, but she can't see it. There's no lights in there, and she can see something shimmering in the background, but she can't tell. But smartly, she's not going in there. No. She said she there's a light in the part of the basement. She's in there though, and she rigs up with a chair, a radio to block it in place, and this big standing mirror like and catches the light so she can shine it in there. That's so goddamn smart. Yeah, she's like MacGyver in her own flashlight. Yeah. I need a rubber band and a paper clip. 
But she sees back, and now she's cleared it enough, I think, to get some bravery to go in there. She's like, there's nothing immediately right there. I'm going to go in. Well, once again, if I was her, I'm sitting there being like, well, I'm going to close this thing again somehow. And then once I'm free and out of here, and maybe Keith is home, we can both go down there and explore the hidden subterranean tunnel that's in the basement of this house. Like, I, like... You know, when we, after we saw Nope, we're like, I'm not looking at clouds anymore. Now I just want to go down to my basement and see if I see ropes sticking out of anywhere. To be being like, God damn it, like, <laughs> landlord, take a picture of it. Look what I found. I don't think I'm going in if I find it. I, my no. curiosity is not getting the better of me, especially on my own without my phone when I'm locked in a basement. Maybe if I just found it in a regular basement and I had a clear exit to turn around to. But no, not if I'm locked in this part of the room. Now I'm just like, oh, now I'm terrified because I can't get out. Yeah, I'm not going in. No, I'm calling my landlord and they can figure it out. Yes. They just put a fresh coat of paint over the rope. They're like, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But she goes in and finds the scary room, which is this fluorescently lit room with a nasty bed, a bucket, a tripod camera set up, and like a bloody handprint on the wall. And it looks straight out of Saw. It's like you're going through a haunted house, and this is like the torture room, like, scene set up. Of, it's just like, it's the camera, it's almost also reminded me of that episode of The Office, The Dinner Party, when they're doing the um tour of Michael's house, and him and Jan go into their bedroom with uh fucking Jim and Pam, and the um camera's still set up pointing at the bed, and Jan's like, oh, I thought you said you cleaned up. <laughs> See, I just grew up in, like, the era of Cribs and everything on MTV. That Like, I remember everyone tried to make the tripod camera joke when they'd show the bedroom. I'm like, oh, yeah. ha-ha. When I'd see those. <laughs> Scarface is on the TV. Yes. But she gets back out to the main, like, basement, and she sees Keith coming home. But she has the key inside, because remember, she was chased in by a scary man. And she's like, oh, shit. So she's just pounding on the window, yelling. He sees her, helps her open up the window by pushing and she crawls out, and she's freaking out. She tells her, like, we have to go, we have to go. There's a scary room in the basement with a bucket and a camera. And in his defense, all he knows is, I found a room in the basement with a bucket and a camera. And he repeats that by like, yeah, I'm going to check it out, but we're not leaving just yet. And this is, there's a couple little still, like, things where you're thinking Keith is the bad guy, and this is one of them. Because Tess is completely packed and is, like, walking out the door. And he's standing in front of her, like, no, no, stop, stop, it's okay, like, but don't go yet, like, don't leave. And at one point, she's just like, get out of my way. And he's like, okay, just, I have no idea what you're talking about, so can I go down there and check it, and you stay here for a second? She, like, reluctantly is like, Fine, just hurry. But it also, this plays to her talk with him the night before. Like, if the roles were reversed, you would have just went in. You wouldn't have been afraid of anything. He doesn't take her warning seriously at all. I was like, no, I'm going to go check it out. Like, I, yeah. no matter how freaked out you are right now. Oh, if I'm Keith, and he, it's the same exact situation. Woman I've never met before, I've known her for like 12 hours, says all of this, and she's this freaked out. I'm just going to be like, Sounds good to me. Let's get out of here. Like, you got your car. I got my car. Good luck out there. Like, let's contact the property owner and fucking, I'll sleep in my car in a parking lot. Yeah, exactly. But he asks her to wait until he checks it out. She does wait upstairs. And 
she stops the door from closing with a chair this time. And she's like, Keith? Keith? He's not answering. She goes into the regular basement, yells, still no answer. She goes back in, this time armed with her cell phone camera. And she checks the scary room. He's not in there. And then she finds the other door at the end of the hallway that's hidden off. Quick question. Yeah. We know going forward in the movie, like, how this came to be. Like, Richard Brake's character, like, made this and everything. Yeah. How long did this take to make in your own basement? It's a catacomb down there. A serial killer can do anything when they're powered by milk. (laughs) Dude, like, I'm... It's it's wild to me, like, look at... And I, I try not to look too far into it. Right. Because it gave me a great horror movie. But part of that suspension of, my, of disbelief just won't go away for a minute. Well, where I'm like, what did he do? Because we do get, like, a... Um, fuck, what's it called? Like, we just exposition dump later in the movie. Of, yeah. like, oh, you know, he's... Uh, has a wife and then they had a kid and then he just keeps making kids with the kids. And so I almost think it like, maybe at some point she, he did have like a little army of like weird incest babies that like help dig. It's like the seven dwarves going off to mine. To yeah. make the catacombs. Hi how, hi how. <laughs> but it's like, it's set to sweet home, Alabama. Oh my god, okay. That's all, I wanted to bring that up. But she's going through there, and she's seeing some stuff. Like, she finds the stairs that go deeper underground. She hears, help, please! She goes down the tunnel, and she finds the cages, like, with dog bowls in them and everything. And then finds Keith crawling towards her, like... And this is shot so well, because it's shot with just, like, a cell phone light going and everything here. And he's like, someone else is down here. Something bit me. And she goes to turn around. He's like, no, not that way. I think he's just disoriented from going around this tunnel. Like, he doesn't know which way he's supposed to be going. And this giant naked woman who looks like Victor Crowley's sister. Yes. Grabs Keith's head and bludgeons it against the wall over and over in sickening detail. And screams and you know it went from zero to ten so fast and then cut right away holy shit you can't just give me that and cut away i know it's because this is up until that second you're still thinking is something up with keith because is he just luring her down to this weird basement like tunnels kind of thing and because you see the doll cages and stuff you're like oh is he gonna stick her in one of those doll cages that's what the movie's gonna be about no giant naked old woman comes out of nowhere and yet kills him screams cut to justin long singing along with a song it's the la weather he's driving along the coast like yeah it's such a hard cut to just completely different and it's so dark in there and that cuts to him driving along a beach in a red convertible so bright and like happy for a minute it's so bizarre and they do that multiple times in this movie and it works so well it's that like yeah. gives you what you want for a second like the big oh holy shit there it is and it takes it away well something so many good movies do is they make you think the movie's going a certain way and it's just up until that right specific moment and then they fucking make a left turn out of nowhere okay now we're going this way and you're kind of getting like your bearings with this story fucking another left turn no idea what's going on again it keeps you on your toes and keeps you so interested like 
I, d- I paused this movie like one time for a quick second to go to the bathroom. And I was like right back on there. Like, I can't wait to see what's going on. It's not like one of the, th- we've had those ones before where I, every like 20 minutes I pause it and I'm like, how much longer do I have? God damn it. Play. Like this one was oh, a yeah. straight through awesome one. It's just what happens when we have to watch how many movies a week and everything. Like you take breaks. You're like, okay, that's not for yeah. right now. Let's, you go grab something to eat or go outside or do something for a minute. This one, uh, you're glued to it. Oh, this one, I'm shaking my leg up and down being like, I just got to wait another second, then I'll go pee. <laughs> yeah. All right, but yeah, so we cut to AJ, played by Justin Long, who yes. he was the one name I knew was in this movie that I hadn't seen yet, but I completely forgot at this point. I wasn't even thinking about that. But like, oh yeah, Justin Long's in this right when we cut to him. There was a part where I'm like, because I just saw like a meme about like Justin Long is like has the worst luck in horror movies or something like that. And then I was at one point being like, where's he going to show up? And then it's just like the smash cut to him having the like greatest day of his life. His pilot got picked up. You know, his lead actress is super happy with her movie. Nothing's going to happen wrong, right? Yeah, so he's an actor. He's driving. He gets a call well, from isn't like, he a producer or something? No, it's his co-star. So he's an actor. Oh, okay. Because I, okay, that makes sense. But he gets a call, and the producers and people on the show are calling him, and they're like, "Your co-star Megan Maddox is accusing you." And like, what are you talking about? Of being sexually aggressive? And he's like, "Wait, what's going on?" Like, he's interrupted. Like. And the network is starting an investigation. It's like, well, what's going on? Is the show, like, over? Like, the show might move forward, but even if it does, there's a barely any chance that you'll be involved going forward. So he's getting me too pretty much. So he's like, so I'm fired. And they're like, that's the way it's looking like it's going to go. And he's like, motherfucker, God damn it! just let me talk to her. Like, I can smooth this over. And they're like, that's not a good idea. Yeah, and you notice what's weird? He doesn't, like, take it serious. Like, he's being told he's been accused of rape with his co-star and everything. And at first, he's just being combative and everything. And until they say, yeah, you're not going to be involved in the show, is the only time he takes it seriously and he pulls over and everything like that. Well, he's even being a douchebag about it. Because he's like, oh, what What did she, what's she saying? Like, I raped her or something? And they're just like, yes, that is exactly what they're saying. And he's like, but... No, that's a, but he's like completely like cannot believe this is happening to him. Like me, like I'm my last name isn't Weinstein. Yeah, that, but that's basically what's going on here. And then it cuts to him meeting with his wealth advisor, and he's like, "All right, what's going on?" I was like, well, with your current rate of spending and your mortgages, puts you at zero in three months. It's like you have some income from your from your rental property is your first sign. Oh, it was, well, what about the Michigan homes? He goes, well, you could sell those, but your mortgage is what's really killing you. He goes, okay. So he's going to Detroit to sell his rental property. So that's, he's the guy who has this shitty house in this rundown neighborhood who he rents out as an Airbnb. Yeah. Holy shit. It's like this guy that's like a Hollywood person. Like, I guess also owns this Airbnb, which I know like, uh, celebrities will do that where like a lot of the ones have a lot of money is because they own property. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way it ties together. Cause until that moment, I'm like, how is that this connected to what we just watched? Well, and it's also where his financial advisor at the very end is like, well, we also advise that you find another financial advisor. And he's like, you're also leaving me. They're like, 
yes, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but he turns in his notice and he shows up in Michigan and he gets a call from his lawyer. He's like, hang on, sorry, I'm getting into a rental. I'm in Detroit. He's like, you're in Michigan? He's like, yeah, he goes, AJ, this is not a good look. You weren't supposed to leave the state. He's like, what? Are they, are they going to arrest me? He's like, that's a possibility. He's like, oh, shit. He's like, they're not going to arrest me. I'm not under arrest. And he's like, well, not yet. And he's like, wait a minute. They're going to arrest me? It's like, yes, that's what happens. <laughs> but he gets to the house, and he sees Tess and Keith's stuff still there. There's a chair at the basement door. He's like, what the hell? And he calls the rental, like, management company. He's like, do I have squatters? What's going on here? Yeah, they're like, they're, he's like, oh, there's all this stuff left over from guessing the previous tenant. How how long ago was the previous tenant? And they're like, two weeks ago. That gives us a timeline about how long they've been down there in that basement. Yeah, and they don't send someone to clean until before the next people arrive, so that's why their stuff's still there. And then to drive home the fact on, hey, if we already didn't make you not like this guy enough... It cuts to him on the phone with his mom, and they're talking about, like, what am I supposed to tell people? Because the news is broke about this and everything. Tell them she's a lying bitch. But the Edge like, well, when are you coming home back to Michigan? Me and your father want to see you. He's like, oh, I'm just busy right now. He's in Michigan. So, yeah. oh, I got an important work call coming in. Bye, Mom. And he hangs up, and it's a friend from back home who's calling him. So if you didn't yeah. hate him enough already, he lies to his mama. Well, he does that. There's also, you get a tiny bit of insight about the dad doesn't like him because it's like, really? You and dad want to see me? And the mom's like, well, you know, your dad can be a difficult man. It's like one of those things. And then, yeah, uh, AJ gets the call from the buddy. And, oh my god, dude. Have you ever seen a more accurate representation of, like, two bro dudes in a bar be like man you're my brother i got your back you can trust me you just gotta let me know what's going on dude i'm gonna be real with you right now i'll tell you everything yeah bro that's just what i'm looking for you can be real with me it's all this like words like that i'm just like uh i fucking hate you even more <laughs> did you catch who the best friend was i don't think so that's that Craiger. oh okay nice I saw that he showed up somewhere in this movie, but I wasn't sure where. And also to drive home that he's a piece of shit, did you notice how he answers the phone when the best friend calls? No. Yo, what up? The word I will not say that is a homosexual slur. Oh, okay. oh that's right. I Because that took me aback. Because I was like, really? Yeah, so they're making sure. And you know what? At this moment, I'm like, oh, he's dying, isn't he? Not only is like, oh, he's dying, isn't he? It's like, oh, this isn't just like a baseless accusation. He did this. Because even the friend goes like, come on, bro, you can be real with me. Tell me what happened. And AJ's like, well, we did have sex. And she took some persuading. And he's the friend is like, well, did she say no? And he's like, yeah, he, she did at first. <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah, he's one of those ones. It's like, you want this role, right? Yeah, exactly. But the next morning, he wakes up. He sees, like, the car keys are still there and stuff, so he starts, like, investigating oh, a little more. No, he, before that, he does the worst thing that he could have done in his own situation. So glad he did, because fuck him, you know, this is this voicemail is going to be on TMZ oh, yeah, in the morning. Because exactly. he calls the uh, victim drunk, just being like, I'm so sorry, just call me. 
and I can apologize to you. I apologize to your face. Like, I, I think we could smooth all this over, right? And you know, like, I would just imagine her and her lawyers on the other end sitting there, like, reaming their hands, like, oh, this is fucking, we got him. Like, he made one of the worst mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Case closed the he end. He even mentions, like, I didn't do anything that night, right? So he's admitting to that night. I even me not being a lawyer. I'm like, he's done. <laughs> yeah. But the next morning he wakes up, he finds more of Keith and Tessa's stuff, and he starts investigating a little bit. He goes to the basement, and he does prop the door open, and he sees the rope because she exposed it, kind of. He pulls it and sees the scary room, and the difference in reaction that he has compared to what Tess has couldn't be any bigger, because oh he's God. just excited because he's going to sell this place. He's like, holy shit, it's bigger than I thought. And he runs up <laughs> and is Googling, can basement square footage be counted in a house listing? And he finds all these articles that say no. Goes, oh, a maybe, and that's enough for him. He gets down there with a the tape measure, and he's down there all happy measuring and everything. He's just like, like waltzing into the scary room, not even thinking twice about it. He's moving the bloody mattress out of the way to get measurements better. He's like knocking the camera over. He's like, I wonder if that handprint could add some value to this. Like, oh, he's, I love him researching about can, like, a, a unfinished, like, secret room be added to my square footage. And he's like, no, no. On, well, and then said, usually you can. He's like, usually that's not a no. And then he, when he's measuring, he finds that next secret door, and he gets even more excited. He's like, oh! And he goes down with the tape measure more, and he makes it to real far back, and he sees a light on in the room ahead. And he did grab a knife at this point, like, as yes. a case the people are still downstairs. And he's like, hello? And no one answers. He gets there, and you see, like, this creepy purple lit room because the TV that's on, it's the only light, and all these coats and things, like, lining the room, and this, like, first time mother breastfeeding informative video on the TV. He's looking in and then all of a sudden, remember he's still holding the tape measure. The tape measure pulls out of his hand. Something starts pulling on it from the other end. And this is the most, oh run dude moment that there is. Yeah. It, it's, it's all, it's such a weird room. Cause like you said, it's all bathed in uh, purple. They do the great thing. Cause like a flat screen television isn't scary. They use like an old CRT TV and it's immediately like, Oh, that's scary. Like I noticed the television, of course. I'm like, that's a pretty cool TV. Yeah. That's been here a while. Yeah. But yet that the tape measure being pulled, something yes. about that was so genius to me. I'm like, cause that would be the, you can't see cause it's dark. How terrifying would that be? It's not like it's pulling back towards you. Something is grabbing it and pulling away with it. Yeah, like, what the fuck is that? And then he starts running. He drops his flashlight, picks it up, and the flashlight's cutting in and out, which makes for such a good moment here. And then... I don't even know how to explain this. He's running. He sees the monster lady, who I guess we will refer to as the mother from here on out. And he okay. takes off running the other direction. And he just falls into this cage with Tess. And she's like, it cuts to her, like, grab, like holding his mouth shut and making a shush sound. And again, hard cut away. Yeah, because it's a, well, yeah, I guess it is the hard cut away. But her whole thing is just like, don't make her upset. But is this where we cut away to now it's the 70s? Yes. Okay. Which, once again, they did the thing that keeps you interested in movies. That it doesn't work every single time. It has to be done just right. This movie does it right. Of 
Oh my god, he just fell in. Oh, Tess is still alive. Wow. Hard cut to now we're completely different. Yeah, and it's so bright and vibrantly lit that it, like, just like the last one. I know I'm repeating myself, but it just contrasts so much to the scene we just saw. Exactly. And you see what the neighborhood used to be. Like, there was uh, someone living in every single house. Like, it's the neighbors mowing the yard, and he goes driving by. It's like, howdy, neighbor! And everyone's waving at him and stuff. Uh, Richard Brake, as Frank, uh, goes to the grocery store, I guess, or it's like their town store. And he's like, okay, we need some uh, plastic tarping and some diapers and something else. And the lady's like, oh, when's your little one going to be born? And he's like, oh, you know, any time now kind of thing. It's like, oh, you're going to the hospital? It's like, no, it'll be a home birth. And she's like, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, and she gets, she also gives him the video that we saw being played, and he checks out and gets in his car, and this woman has caught his attention that he sees. I didn't take it as he was stalking her specifically. I think he just caught, she just caught his attention right then. Yeah, I didn't take it as, like, this is an ongoing thing, but it's almost like the BTK thing of he would, like, zero in on, like, he would see someone that interested him and be like, okay, you're next. Yep. He follows her home, parks behind some bushes, and he gets out, gets in his trunk, and puts on his Carlos jumpsuit. Yes, which is another BTK thing of that's how he would get inside houses, is he would do security alarms. So he, uh, Frank is posing as an electrician working for the city, I think he said, um, because there's been some power outages, and he wants to check everything out to make sure everything's okay. And he goes into the bathroom and unlocks the bathroom window. And that's all he wanted to do. Yeah, I feel like it, he would have had to also unlock another window or two. Because that's pretty risky if you just do one and assume she won't shut that one later. Like, oh, that's unlocked. Exactly. Yeah, it would be smart to... Serial Killer 101, if you want to get inside your victim's house, make sure to unlock many windows. Just because I don't know if it'll come up later. Later in the movie, you do see that woman's dress in the basement. I noticed AJ, like, picked up something like that, and I was like, that must have been a callback. Yeah, so he must have went back that night. He goes back to his house, and his neighbor's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know before you saw the sign tomorrow, we're moving. Neighborhood's going to hell, Frank. If we don't do it this year, wife thinks we won't get it sold next year. And you planning on leaving? You get, I'm not going anywhere. Goes inside, and he opens the basement door, and when he does, you hear screaming from in the basement and closes it. And that's it. But that gives you all you need to know right there. I know they do tell us more later. Honestly, they could have left it right there, though, and I would have got it. Yeah, they didn't need to do the uh, information dump later. I'm kind of enjoyed that they did, because it gives us more background. But we could have put it all together if they hadn't. But it is just so fucked up. It, it is. It's like goes from like the quaint 1970s and 80s neighborhood. Everyone's waving at each other to he has his like um, plastic wrap and he's going to the basement where the screaming's coming from. Cuts back to Tess and AJ and she's like, if you get upset, she gets upset. It's like, what? He goes, don't make her upset. And then we get the bottle scene. So the mother is on top of the cage and lowers this disgusting, hairy, dirty baby bottle down for AJ to drink out of. And he obviously does not. By the way, the hair was an accident at first. They were shooting it and a piece of the wig from the costume, which 
Henrietta style, this is a dude playing the mother, like in all yes. prosthetics and everything. Got on it and like, wait, no, that's awesome. So they took off some more hair and put it on the bottle to make it even grosser. Oh, because it's not bad enough of like, where did this milk come from? Is this her milk? Is this like fridge milk? Did she refrigerate it? There's also hair sticking off the bottle nipple. Because like yes. AJ's having none of it. Then Mama uh, puts it over to Tess, and Tess has been doing this for a minute, so she knows, like, I have it to at least fake like I'm eating to make her happy. It's been at least two weeks from AJ's phone call to the property management people. Yeah. And she pulls away, and Tess is like, she just wants you to be her baby, you have to play along. The mother comes in the cage and cuddles Tess, and going, baby! And, like, cuddling her, and right here's where I'm like, holy shit! Like, what the fuck it's, it's is It's just this? wild. And then she looks at AJ, and AJ starts screaming! <laughs> just, and look, Justin Long is one of the best people you can get in a horror movie oh, today, yeah. if you ask me. He's so good in these type of roles. They just start screaming, and she drags him out, and leaves the cage door open, mind you, and takes him into the TV room. As she does that, Tess is like, here's my chance, and climbs out. But in the TV room, she boops AJ's nose, and my notes just say, that scene. Yeah, where she is, like, it's in front of the uh, mother-to-be video VHS tape, and it's like, oh, your your baby will suckle, and it's such a magical experience between you and baby, and she's like, baby, suckle, and he gets AJ to suckle at her, like, weird nipple. <laughs> yeah, she, like, for, she, like, AJ isn't drinking out of the bottle, this baby wants to be breastfed, I guess, and she breastfeeds AJ, and he's just like, no! It's this <laughs> disgusting, like... I, I just described his evil boob goes into his face. And I'm like, oh my god, no! Yeah, and this is where I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, what's the worst thing that's happened to Justin Long? Is it still the walrus, or is it this? I still say it's the walrus. Yeah, but not by much. It's close. No, but that's the thing, that if Justin Long had listened to his manager and not done Tusk, this would have been one of those things of like, oh, that's that Justin Long movie where he sucks on the old lady nipple. <laughs> yeah, so this was the scene, Britt. I remember, I tried to not give you anything, like, because I saw this like two or three weeks before you did, and it was killing me because yeah. I wanted to talk to you about this movie <laughs> so bad. This is the scene. I told you, like, there's one super fucked up scene that I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you about. This was it. Yes. But then you start to feel bad for AJ, and then you remember his past yes. and what we already know about him. You're like, good. <laughs> That's why I said they were just throwing every, this is a terrible dude at you, so I knew something bad was happening. And somehow he keeps getting worse. Yeah, that's them, like, warming you up to, hey, we're going to do something terrible to this guy. We're giving you every reason to cheer for it. Yes, exactly. Tess has climbed out, and she's making her way out, but she walks into the tape measure that's on the ground, and it makes that tape measure sound. And you know how loud that is. And she's like, oh shit. And she starts running. She gets out, but the basement door is locked behind her, so she's still stuck in the main basement part. And she breaks out the window this time, because now she doesn't care about damaging the property. And the homeless guy who terrified her earlier yeah. drags her out. And then we get one of the coolest scenes is the mother reaching out after her after she's pulled out and then slinking back into the dark basement. 
That is one screenshot I did see before I saw the movie, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, no frame of reference. And this is also where you're like, thank God for Homeless Man. Thank you for sticking around. Like, at first I thought you were scary. You were just trying to help me. Yeah, it's... Man, that scene's just haunting looking. Yeah. Well, because she does. She slinks back into the basement. And this isn't like magical world where like Freddy Krueger is a nightmare demon and Jason's the undead zombie. Like she went to a job interview earlier. So this is the real world. And this is a actual person that is like this in a basement in Detroit. And it's just like, what the fuck did I stumble upon? Yeah. Just the worst luck. And the guy tells her, you got to come with me to the water tower. It's safe there. But we had to get there before night. She comes out at night. So she does roam around this house. This neighborhood's abandoned. I guess since that happened, she feels safe to just go around at night. Right. And she's like, no, there's still someone in there. We had to go back and help him. Tess, granted, doesn't know how shitty of a dude AJ is. Like, it's not like no. she knows his backstory or anything. So she wants to do the right thing and help him. It is like, you go back in there, you're dead. But she leaves. She makes her way to a gas station because she doesn't have her phone. And she gets... She's like, do you have a phone? She calls the police, and the police don't take her seriously in the slightest. They think she's just tweaking out. Yeah, is this where she, yeah, she goes to the gas station, and the cops show up, and she, like, runs up and puts her hand on the window, like, oh my god, thanks god, the police are here to help me. It's like, ma'am, remove your hand from my window. And it's like, oh, you're shitty cops. Yeah, they tell her, like, get out of here. I should have you arrested for breaking out that window, but they get a call, shots fired, and they leave her yeah. there. They just leave her there. They don't even take her with her with them or something. At that point, if I was her and be like, wait a minute, it's getting dark and you're just going to leave me here. I would have picked up a rock and like broke out the other window and be like, look, now I vandalized. Take me to jail. As all that's going on, AJ has gotten away because the mother was chased after Tess and he finds Frank in his room still alive. Oh. Richard breaking a bunch of old man makeup, which was awesome to see. Like, holy shit. And you know what? This is great because it makes sense because at first he thinks he's another victim being held captive and he's trying to help yeah. him. We're going to get her. Don't worry. This Soon this place is going to be swarming with cops. And that like upsets Richard Brake, but he's nonverbal at this point. So old. He's motioning towards the nightstand. What water? He just drags the nightstand over to him as he's still looking around. AJ finds all these labeled VHS tapes like Redhead, Gas Station Girl. I noticed that something one. Pregnant, all this stuff. Um, no teeth was one of them. Some of them have yeah. names. Other one is just like redhead gas station girl, and that's the one that's in the. Uh, it's one of those great um TV VCR combos. I, and this, every time I see like these old TVs, that little spark in my brain goes off, and I can't help it. it must be like Razor Rob and his cars, where I'm just like, ooh, I really that's a really cool looking old CRT TV. It's the VHS TV combo. That's awesome. <laughs> But he pops the tape in. It's not shown to us, but you hear it a little bit. Oh, and it's yeah. obviously what that tripod was filming upstairs. And he's like, he realizes what this is. And he turns around and like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a monster. And this is a little bit of irony right here. Because granted, it, was a, it wasn't different. But like he wasn't like recording it and like doing this. But right. you're a rapist too, dude. And it's kind yeah. of like one of those self-realization moments, I think, for AJ. Even though... He's so dense, I don't think he realizes, yeah, you're also the monster. Yeah, you've also done something similar. Yeah, so it's 
wild. And right then, Frank gets the gun out of the nightstand. And at first, I think he's going to shoot AJ. But yeah. because he said cops are going to be all over this place, he realizes, okay, that's the end of it. And he just shoots himself. Yeah, so this he's a serial killer that got away with it. He never got caught. He never had to leave his house. He got to stay down in his, like, basement dungeon with all of his VHS tapes and have his, like, weird incest babies that had sex with other babies, like, take care of him. Because that's another thing, because uh, when AJ was running towards the door, the mother comes close to the door, but then sees where he's at and slinks away, like, oh, I don't go near there. Exactly. At this point, upstairs... Tess is about to drive away. She's broken in and got her keys. And she's about to drive away, but she stops. Woman breaks out, like, screaming. (laughs) Yeah, she just rams the car into her and pins it against the house. And it looks like she dies there on the hood, like, staring in at her. And so she goes in after AJ. You you need to do a finishing blow there. I'm sorry. Well, at this point, too, because supposedly this is just, like, it's a human woman is just the fact of like it's massive inbreeding and she lives in a cellar basically is why she looks all fucked up i also think it's like never been spoken to that's why she's no. like mono what's the term uh syllabus i don't know she only says like one syllable at a time and all that stuff right so tess pins her against the house like it's like signs when fucking what was his name George, it wasn't George Clooney, it was one of those big actors. Mel Gibson, right? Oh, Mel Gibson, where his wife is sitting there pinned up against the tree, and she's like, if they move the car, she dies. It's one of those scenarios. Like, there's been real life things like that, where like someone got run over by a subway, and they had to get him a cell phone because he had to say goodbye, because as soon as they like move the subway, he's dead, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, at the very least, her legs are broken. But she's yeah. fine. Yeah, she's she's monster woman's good. But anyway, before that, she gets inside and looking after AJ. And there's this scene where it's just Tess's point of view, and there's a flashlight shining in her face. And she goes to say something, and you just hear a gun pop, and AJ shot her. And look, this one, I get it's an accident when you're in this terrible thing. Like, you just saw the whole Richard Drake suicide. Monster woman just breastfed you and everything. If he didn't know, oh. he didn't know. And then instantly, like, oh, shit, it's you. And, like, helps her up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Monster lady, her head touches the ceiling. Tess looks like she's about five foot something. Yeah, but the only people you've encountered down here are the mother and Richard Brake. And both of them are monsters. Well, so at Tess, this point, AJ knows she's down there. True. You're right. But it's just like, he's, it's just like the, such a, like, he's such a coward and so shaky. Like he's, it's like Don Knotts where like in Andy Griffith, they never give him a bullet for his gun because if they do, he like shoots things he's not supposed to like immediately. He's like, ah, person bang. Oh shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) But he helps her out. She's okay, but she was shot. They get outside and she like guides them to the water tower. They get there the homeless man's name's Andre gets them in and everything. And this is the big exposition oh. dump and everything. And this way he's explaining like, no, she goes, well, that's her house. Like, that's my house. He goes, you might own that piece of paper, but that's her daddy's house. And he's lived there for like, however many years. Like, I think like they said like 40 years and he knows somehow he knows all about like that. The fact of like, uh, 
Frank, Richard Brake would kidnap ladies and get them pregnant. And then also, like, once the baby was, like, grown up enough, would get that pregnant. And it just went on forever. And because uh, Andre's saying, like, I've lived here in this water tower for 15 years. I've seen what goes on and stuff. Like, it's a good expedi- exposition dump. But I'm also wondering, like, how do you know all of this? Yeah, what, how does he describe it? If you make a copy of a copy of a copy, eventually it's not going to be right, and that's what he's saying. And then there's the great line, because Tess is like, hey, Tess and AJ are sitting there, and they're like, we need to get her to the hospital. And Andre's like, no, we have to stay here. We can't go out there. And they're like, how do you know we're safe in here? It's like, I've lived here for 15 years. That motherfucker hasn't come in this water tower ever. Perfect comedic timing. Crazy big mother monster breaks through the water towers. Like, her arms are flailing. (laughs) The second he said that, bam. And you knew as he was saying, I'm like, oh, she's breaking through right now. I love his delivery of her. That motherfucker hasn't got to come in here in 15 years. She's not going to start now. (laughs) She breaks in and rips his arm off and beats him to death with his own arm. Pretty awesome. Reminds me of that uh, line from Jason X when the, um, pilot it was either the pilot or the scientist guys talking about like oh yeah the uh microsoft wars we they had us beating each other with our own limbs <laughs> but they run out they start going up the stairs of the water tower tess is like the gun aj points the gun down to go shoot the mother but just drops the gun and they're at the top and she's making her way up and aj's like i can get away but you gotta slow her down and goes Hey, come get your baby and just pushes Tess off the tower. He just keeps getting shittier and shittier somehow. And then the mother does like a Spider-Man dive off the tower yeah. after Tess. And you don't see it, but you see the aftermath. It, like as AJ looks over, you see the mother's on the bottom and Tess has landed on top of her and they're both dead. At least you think at the time. AJ makes his way back downstairs, picks up the gun on the way down and Tess is still alive. He's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And first he's apologetic, and then he switches to blaming. Like, he's at first like, I'm sorry, I had no choice, you understand? But really, you slipped. You got too close to the edge, and you just fell. You get it, right? Like, it's... He doesn't learn. Because when he was talking in the tower earlier, he was starting to get, like, introspective, kind of like, I've made a mistake, I've hurt people, I need to make up for it. But that was all bullshit, because right here is another example of, no, he's just this person. Well, he's also, yeah, he's making excuses once again, like, why it happened. He's like, uh, I was thinking about it for a second, but then, yeah, then you fell. Uh, it's it's not my fault, right? You're okay? You're okay. And, like, come on! <laughs> but Tess isn't the only one who's still alive, because the mother wakes up, and, dude, why does this shit keep happening to Justin Long's eyeballs? I but know. <laughs> stands up... Pushes her thumbs through his eyes, and you get this great squish, like, coming out from the thumbs, and rips his head in half, like, breaking a coconut open or something. Oh, yeah, his eyes turned to jello, and they came squishing out of him. Um, Reminds me of, of course, I think that maybe there's a little bit, like, of a Fulci influence there, because you see, like, the giant fingernail, and it's like, oh, okay, it's not like, oh, it's just eye gouge, it's like the slow build-up and then the showing of it. It's like, I love that Italian stuff bleeds into American movies like that. Especially the last couple years with, like, Malignant had a Giallo vibe, kind of, with the, uh, the killer had the gloves and the specific cool, like, knife and stuff. 
Yeah, I saw a couple people actually referencing Malignant to this movie, like, just as the most crazy twist since that. I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're not wrong. Well, on Letterboxd, at the very bottom, it says similar films. This is, uh, Malignant's one of them. (laughs) Maybe that's why I like this so much. Yeah. But, yeah, Rips is head just in half down the middle and then Tess is laying on the ground still and the mother's babbling at her bah, 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 and pointing back to the house and tries picking her up but Tess is in pain because she's been shot and fell off a tower she's like I can't go and for a moment you know what like you feel bad for the mother here because yeah. obviously the circumstances that got her to her life are just terrible and everything and she she looks like distraught that Tess is hurt, and the mother kisses her finger and touches Tess's head and goes, "Baby," is Tess like holds the gun up to her head. I don't think she understands guns either because she's no. not alarmed by this at all. No, she doesn't understand anything. All she knows is baby. That's like I take care of baby. <laughs> yeah, and then pop, you hear the gunfire again. Right into credits to Be My Baby, which is the most (laughs) wild song to hear after this fucked up movie. And then, like, in the early credits, you get clips of Tess, like, making her way out again. Like, she's rocking, she survived. But holy shit, yeah, it's like it's like the end of Halloween 2, the original one, when it like inner sand uh not inner sandman. Mr. Sandman cut gets kicked on. <laughs> You've referenced that a couple times and you always call it Enter Sandman first. <laughs> well, I think of Sandman, that's the first thing I think of. <laughs> but yeah, that's barbarian. What holy a shit. wild time. Man, some of these movies we got this year have just been crazy good. 2022 has been like the best year in horror for a while. And it's, that's not to say we've had some great years before 2018 was also amazing. Yeah. I thought that was the top year of like the last decade. Now 2022 is like tripled the output. And also each one of these that I've seen are pretty awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. And they had so much buzz behind this movie. And it was like, it's not like a marketing campaign gave it that buzz. This was the biggest word-of-mouth buzz I've had, like, experience for a horror movie in a long time. Oh, like, normies that don't like horror, or, like, only watch, like, the Halloween, Friday the 13th type stuff, like, the mainstream stuff, have been talking about this. Yeah, it it's just a monster of a movie, and I, I hope Kreger does more, if this is any oh. indication. I hope he does some more. I hope so, too. Do another horror. Uh, get some of the other Whitest Kids You Know guys that are still around to go in there, too, because they're all amazing writers. Like, Yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have on Barbarian. I, look, if you listen to this episode before you watch this movie, fucking shame on you, because this, this yeah. is the best movie to go into cold. I'm so glad we both got that. Like, neither of us knew too much going into it, because it was so fun doing it. But I'll tell you this, because I've watched it twice now still holds up really well and you pick out so much more on that second watch it's really fun rewatch still good i could you know what also would be interesting is if they did a pearl type thing of now we almost see like this is frank when he was in the 70s and 80s and doing his thing kind of thing oh but with what frank does i don't think i want it i don't want to watch that <laughs> oh you know it's gonna be disturbing as fuck but there's gonna be a part of you that like uh it's richard Brake. Oh, yeah, I still would, yeah. All right, you want to get Count of the Dead? Yeah, it's getting to the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. All right, let's with Horror Count of the Dead. We're tallying up all the deaths in the movie. How many do you think we got with Barbarian? And the mother is a person. Yeah, so she's she a human, counts. yeah. 
Okay. Yes. I'm going to say three. Three. Yeah, I believe. That is incorrect. We had five. Okay, because I remember there were Keith died, the mother died, AJ died. Oh, Andre died too. That was right. And Frank shot himself. Oh, and Frank killed himself. That's right. I forgot about that. Okay, very nice. What's well, Greg's Count of the Dead? Ah, ah, ah. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. Buh, buh. Buh, buh. Thunder noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I'll take something from the movie and I'll rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now come up with that thing right now. I have a bad feeling this one's going to be disturbing. <laughs> I'm going to do versions of dairy. Yeah, I wasn't wrong. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were going to... You know what? I'm happy, though. Because for the first time in a long time, I pretty much figured what you were going with. <laughs> well, after Terrifier 2, and I'm like, shit! Yeah. Um. So, I'm going to do versions of dairy. So, a number one version of dairy, the worst version of dairy, is the milk we see in this movie when the bottle has a hairy nipple on it. And you don't know where that milk came from. Is that person milk? Is that store-bought milk? Like, it's probably person milk. I'm just picked to report intern Corey to listen to this, because he can't eat any dairy. He's like, it's all bad! Yeah. <laughs> um, a number ten version of dairy, the best version of dairy. I mean, it's gotta be cheese, right? Oh, I definitely go in cheese, dude. Cheese, Melt it, like, have it plain, anything. It's perfect. Uh, just last night, I wanted nachos, and I didn't have, like, my good Richie's nacho cheese. I haven't gone to the Walmart in a while. So I did the old school high school nachos where I got the sliced American cheese out and put those over the things. Still great. Oh, yeah. Cheese is the perfect form of dairy. Correct. Um, Cheese or ice cream? They're both up there. I almost said ice cream, too, but whenever I eat ice cream, it's a 50-50 shot if, if I feel sick afterwards or if I'm okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to give Barbarian nine versions of dairy out of ten. It's quite good. Um, I enjoy the constant switching up of the storylines and then it coming back um, all together at the very end. I enjoyed Andre's story dump of like oh this is the history about the house kind of took me out of it a little bit though because i'm like how does he know yeah you know what i'm i'm a little bit higher than you but i didn't get to that 10 i went nine and a half forms dairy because some some little parts in the middle just didn't get it to a 10 but dude don't let that take this away from because no. we both went nine nine and a half i cannot recommend this movie enough to anybody yeah, for a brand new movie, this we're out of the 2000s shitty movies. This is like a whole new thing. Of Even the 2010s had some really good ones. This is going even a step above where this new decade is just doing so amazing with them. I can't recommend this movie enough. Yeah, so definitely, again, I'm very upset with you if you listen to this first. But check out Barbarian if you haven't. And if you have, give it a rewatch. Yes. Well, if you have anything else, man. No, I think that's all I got on this. All right, well, we hope that Barbarian left your brain throbbing with horror. Do you like throbbing with horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes their show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? <laughs> hey, Paul!